Welcome to the Chosen People Radio Program, a production of Chosen People Ministries. On this program, you'll hear inspiring stories, learn about messianic apologetics, and discover God's plan for Israel and you. Now let's welcome our hosts, Mitch Glazer, President of Chosen People Ministries, and Robert Walter, our New York Regional Director. Shalom, friends. This is Mitch Glazer, President of Chosen People Ministries, and I'm so glad to be with you as we celebrate Hanukkah, this great festival of lights, and as we move our way towards uh, Christmas. And this week, we're going to focus on Hanukkah uh, because it is really critical to the ministry of Jesus. In fact, the only place in the Bible where we see Hanukkah is the New Testament. And most Jewish people have no clue that Hanukkah is a New Testament holiday. It's not even found in the Old Testament, except in some types and prophecies. And so we're going to talk a little bit about Hanukkah. And in particular, we're going to talk about the relationship that Jesus, the Messiah, had to the festival of Hanukkah, the festival of lights. And here to help us with our discussion is my good friend and colleague, Bobby Walter, who leads the work of Chosen People Ministries in Brooklyn, New York. Right. So, Bobby, welcome. And tell us a little bit about Hanukkah. Yes, yes. Thank you, Mitch. Shalom to you. It's always great to, to see you, to spend time with you, and shalom to all of our listeners. We hope that this month is going well for you and your preparation for all these celebrations about the incarnation and the coming of our Messiah and King Jesus. Like Mitch said, we're going to continue our conversation on Hanukkah. So last week, we spent a good amount of time talking about the history, and we talked about the fact that Hanukkah, or the Feast of Dedication, as it's commonly known, is a time where the Jewish people around the world celebrate God's provision and God's protection, and really His faithfulness to His promises to the Jewish people. And when we come to the New Testament, in John chapter 10 in particular, beginning in verse 22, we're introduced to the only biblical reference to this holiday. And I love John's gospel. Mitch, I know you'll agree with me. Uh, but John has this way of just using all of the appointed times, right? The holidays, the quote-unquote Jewish holidays, Passover, uh, Sukkot. But... What I love about John is how he uses these holidays, almost like mile markers in his telling of the story. That's true. And, and, and the way he sets the scene oftentimes is to let us know what time it was. Uh, so here in John 10, verse 22, he sets the stage for us. He, he creates the scene. And it's almost like, you know, if I were telling you a story, Mitch, and I were to say that it was Christmas time in New York City, in in your mind, automatically, some of the details are filled in, right? You get you get a feel Absolutely. for how the weather is. It's cold. It's dark. What's on people's minds? Well, buying gifts and shopping. What are people Christmas wearing? Christmas lights. Christmas lights twinkling all along Park Avenue. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and and what else? You know the the tree, the big tree at Rockefeller Center. Ah, the tree. Yeah. So all these things come to mind just by saying it was Christmas time in New York City. Well, it's kind of similar with uh, how John uses these feasts. For his original audience, and even for us today, it's supposed to fill in some of the information in our minds and, and help us understand what was happening. So, John 10, beginning in verse 22, he says this, At that time, the Feast of Dedication took place at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the portico of Solomon. So, Mitch, please tell us, what is what happening happened? here? Yeah, what's going on? <laughs> well, Jesus the Messiah drops down from Galilee as he's traveling with his disciples. And because it's Hanukkah, he goes to the temple, which is the obvious place to go and worship. 
And we're not sure exactly all that was done in the temple during Hanukkah, but we could probably assume that the story of Hanukkah was recounted and that sacrifices were offered on a pure and clean altar. Mm. And we all know the tradition about Antiochus Epiphanes' soldiers sacrificing a pig on the altar, and they had to dismantle the altar stone by stone and leave it for the great prophet who would come one day to cleanse the stones, and they rebuilt the altar from scratch. And so that would have been a story that many Jewish people would have known. It was a Maccabean story in the fourth book of Maccabees specifically, and although the books of Maccabees never made it into the Old Testament or, of course, into the New Testament, it's always been viewed as Jewish history. And so we have good reason to believe that these events did take place. And so Jesus was there in the porticos of Solomon near the altar, and by that time they already identified him with the Messiah. You know, John has been accused of writing an anti-Semitic gospel, and um, this is ridiculous Mm -hmm. because John was Jewish, of course. But just to help our dear friends listening, uh, it might be better that when we read the word Jews, we talk about the Jewish leaders, leaders who are against Jesus. Because that's what what's meant, because John is Jewish, so uh, he's not writing a self-hatred gospel. So verse 24, for the Jews who, Jewish leaders who are against Jesus gathered around him and said, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus, his Hebrew name Yeshua, answered, I told you and you don't believe. The works I do in my Father's name, these testify of me, but you don't believe me because you're not my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, I know them, they follow me, and I give eternal life to them. And they'll never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. And then in verse 30 of John 10, he makes the most radical of all statements. Jesus often used a Jewish holiday to make a radical statement, and it was against the backdrop of the holiday that these statements made more sense. Mm -hmm. In verse 30, he says, I and the Father are one. Now, they may not seem like a radical statement. It might seem like, well, he just had a close relationship with the Father. But the Jewish leaders against Jesus spoke up in verse 31, and they denounced it. In fact, they did more than denounce it. They picked up stones to stone him, and then Jesus responded to them, I showed you many good works from the Father. For which of them are you stoning me? They answered him, and this is really critical, for a good work we don't stone you, but for blasphemy, Mm -hmm. because you, being a man, make yourself out to be God. Hmm. And then Jesus goes on to answer them. But you have to understand that this is intrinsic to the celebration of Hanukkah, because the Jewish Maccabees, the priestly Levitical family, who rebelled against bowing down to the false god that the soldiers of Antiochus Epiphanes had brought. It was actually just a little idol that they had brought to the town square in Modian. They refused to, to bow down to it because Jewish people read the first two of the Ten Commandments, no other gods and no graven images. Mm-hmm. And that actually sort of swirled around in Jewish minds and history and basically became a fierce defense against idolatry. We obey the first two commandments. We do not make images. We don't worship a man who claims to be God. Well, the Jewish leaders are just reaffirming that loyalty statement that grows out of the festival of Hanukkah. What Jesus was saying is probably, and this is, I'll talk to him about it when I see him, but what I think Jesus is saying is, you were right. 
you should be against idolatry. You're absolutely right. But there were promises in your own scriptures that said that God actually loved humanity so much that he would take on flesh. In Isaiah 53, he would endure the sufferings of mankind. He would bear them on his shoulders. And I want you to know that I am he. The time has come. God has become a man. I am God in the flesh. And I love you and I care about you. And I'm going to bear your sins. I'm going to do everything that the prophet said. And I'm going to die for your sins and rise from the dead so that you can have everlasting life. That's how you're going to have eternal life. And so it was a statement of the true incarnation, in a sense, saying, I understand that you're against idolatry. And I think Jesus would say, me too, but I'm the real deal. I'm the authentic incarnation. It's good to reject false incarnations, but I'm the real one. So don't be so forthright and so fierce in rejecting the false incarnations that you get blinded to the true incarnation when you come face to face with them. Wow, Mitch, that is really interesting and honestly really powerful when we think about that Hanukkah backdrop of John 10 and Yeshua's statement that he and the Father are one. Because that that is a very strong statement. You know, he's he's claiming oneness with the Father. It is a claim to deity. It is a claim that is basically Jesus saying that he is the divine Messiah. And for his audience there, they may have been just blinded by their celebration of Hanukkah and being so protective from falling into the trap of idolatry or worshiping, you know, a a false deity, that it may have blinded them from seeing that uh, this was the time of their visitation, Hmm. that this was the moment where passages like we find in Isaiah 9, such a, a strong incarnation prophecy where we read, that, uh, that a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. Yes. And that this Jesus who was standing in their midst, this Yeshua standing in their midst at Hanukkah was making this very bold statement that essentially he is the fulfillment of that promise. He is the fulfillment of that prophecy. He embodies that passage. He is the wonderful counselor. He is mighty God. He is eternal father. He is the prince of peace. Absolutely. And uh, our prayer is that Jewish people will be fiercely loyal to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and reject all forms of idolatry, but that they would soften their hearts to Jesus the Messiah and come to know him whom to know is life everlasting. Well, it's that time of year when we turn on the holiday music, decorate our homes, and prepare our hearts and minds to spend time with our friends and family. But with all the excitement this season brings, many people are surprised to discover that Jesus is Jewish. And the Hebrew scriptures spoke of his birth, death, and resurrection. And so, if you'd like to explore Christmas through Jewish eyes, we'd love to send you a copy of our Christmas booklet today. All you have to do is visit us online at chosenpeople.com slash radio. That's chosenpeople.com slash radio. Or ask for the free booklet, Christmas Through Jewish Eyes, when you call 888-293-7482. That number again is 888-293-7482. Thanks. We look forward to hearing from you soon. And from our family to yours, let me wish you a Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, and a Happy New Year. 
Welcome back. You're listening to The Chosen People. And right now we're going to hear a story from Dr. Michael Brown. Years before he became a well-known messianic leader, Michael was going to parties and doing a lot of drugs. But then he found Jesus and decided to share the Messiah's peace and joy with the entire world. Absolutely. He likes saying from LSD to PhD. And uh, (laughs) I wish I had coined that phrase. But Mike is a wonderful brother. We've done so much with Mike over the years. And he really stands as a real beacon of light to the Messianic Jewish community. Uh, He's got a great education, and God has really transformed him. And he stood as a great testimony to our people. Growing up Jewish, I thought that Jesus was the God of the Catholic Church. He was just some guy, kind of foreign to us, God of this other religion, but nothing to do with us as Jews. When I was in high school, I earned the nicknames Drug Bear and Iron Man. Yeah, I mean, I smoked pot, I smoked hash, I used ups, I used downs, I used LSD, I used mescaline, I used amphetamines, I used cocaine, I I shot heroin. I would take massive quantities just to see how far I could go. I once did enough mescaline, a hallucinogenic drug, for 30 people, the equivalent of one ounce. I couldn't distinguish between reality and hallucination. I would walk with my hand in front of my face at night because I didn't know if the tree that was growing up in front of me was really there or if the tree that grew up into fireworks that that they were really taking place. I'd see like a car coming at me and suddenly the car became a person. You know, the eyes, the the lights became eyes and a mouth. I'd see someone walking their dog and that they'd morph into, they'd each become a little bit of each other and it was really going on a trip. I had a really wicked heart. I mean, I was proud, really proud, obnoxiously proud. And I was vicious with my tongue. I I wasn't a fist fighter, I didn't get in fights, but I would cut people down, I would rip into them until they were in tears. I thought, well, if there really is a God, he he knows I have a good heart. You know, if, if I see an old woman and she's entering a store, I'll open the door for her. Or if I'm in New York City and I see some poor bum, some drunkard on the street, I'll I'll give him a few cents. So in my heart, I'm actually a good person. I thought a church, I don't know, kind of like synagogue. You say these prayers out of a book, and then maybe you have these other rituals that you go through or something like that. I I don't know. And you got some guy hanging on a cross, and, you know, that's, that's what it's like. Well, not this church. This was very, very different. And then my friends would come back with stories. They said, the pastor was preaching from the book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible that tells us about the end times. We're sitting around getting high, smoking pot, and they're telling me these stories. And they said, there, there's going to be a beast. It comes out of a bottomless pit, seven heads, ten horns. And it's going to like rule the world. And I said, that's in the Bible? That's what they talk about in this church? That's a cool church. And at the end of the service, the pastor said, is there anyone here who wants to receive Jesus or ask Jesus into their hearts? I guess he did that in, in all the services. And my friend sitting next to me nudges me. He said, Mike, you should go up now. And see, I knew after my first visit there, these people are praying for me because they think like I'm the worst sinner in the world. These old people will really get a kick out of it. If I go up there and say this prayer, they'll be all excited, like, oh, the big sinner went up. So I, I went up to pray the prayer. I didn't mean anything by it. I just, I was having a little fun with it. So the pastor said, say these words out loud with me. I believe 
Jesus died for me. Okay, Jesus died for me. Jesus took my place. I sinned, I did all these bad things. He was perfect. He died for me. You know, I believe, I believe that's true. I believe Jesus did die for me. Say these words. I believe he rose from the dead. And I thought, you know, I, somehow, I know that's true also. The story didn't end just with him dying, but it goes on. That's why all these people believe in him today. He rose from the dead. I believe it. And then he said, and I promise to live for you all the days of my life. And I said the words. He said, did you mean that? I said, yes. He said, I believe you. But God knew I didn't mean the last part. And that's when the deep spiritual battle really began to take place. I loved heavy rock music. So Led Zeppelin, Jimi Hendrix, and bands a little different, Jethro Tull, these different ones. Because I was a drummer, bass set, and pounding everything. It was kind of a whole new world for me. And I thought, I want to play drums just like that. One of my favorite things to do in life was to get high and to go to a rock concert. And you talk about an experience. You, you go to a, a concert, say, at the Fillmore East, and they have what's called the Joshua Light Show, this pounding, flashing light going on behind them. And here's Zeppelin, dazed and confused, and Robert Plant kind of staggering over the stage as he's singing, and Jimmy Page ripping out his guitar, and John Bonham, that drummer with a heavy drum beat, and bass player just driving this thing. And the music would be so loud, I would test it. I would scream at the top of my lungs, and if I could hear myself, the music wasn't loud enough. I lived for that. And then my own band, we'd play every day. We'd practice and play for hours and the loud music and getting high, man. We loved it. Now, I'm in this little church. There's maybe 40, 50 people there. I'm 16, long-haired hippie. You got guys 50, 60 years old in jackets and ties and ladies in their dresses. And there's the pastor's wife playing the piano. That's the instrument, piano. No amps, no boom sound. She's playing the piano, and she's playing these little ditty hymns. There's within my heart a melody. Jesus whispers sweet and low. I'm talking about these silly little ditties. Softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling. Sunshine, sunshine in my soul today. I mean, that's what we're singing. And as we're singing these songs, and we're just singing a couple of songs. You got 40, 50 people. You got no amplification, no drugs. Suddenly, I experienced this joy I've never experienced in my life. I mean, I, I can't even describe it with words as I talk about it now. And immediately, it's like my life passed before me. I thought, getting high on drugs, no, this is different. Rock music, playing, going to a concert, this is different. Winning in sports, playing sports, no, this is different. Having a great relationship with someone, doing good for someone, I thought, this is different. This is completely different. This must be what these people call the joy of the Lord. And I realized this is how much God loves me. This is what Jesus did for me dying on the cross. This was the most pure, amazing joy a human being could ever experience. When God made himself so real to me, at that point, I didn't want to live the way I was living anymore. I said, I'll never put a needle in my arm again. When I experienced that incredible joy, and I realized how much God loved me. 
when I stopped doing drugs and I said, Dad, Dad, I got saved. I mean, who knew what the words meant? And he said, hallelujah. He was just making fun of it. He didn't take it seriously. Now, hang on. We're Jews. We don't believe this. See, he was Jewish enough to be concerned that his son is going to depart from the faith. I'm thrilled you're off drugs, but now you need to come back to Judaism. You need to talk to the local rabbi. And for me, I was excited to do it because I wanted, I wanted my Jewish people to know about Jesus. I'd meet this rabbi and that one, ultra-Orthodox rabbis who've been studying these things for decades and centuries. And, and I thought, you know, I, I need to learn more. My faith is secure in my heart. I need to learn more. I need to learn Hebrew. I need to, to learn more about Judaism. And the more I studied, the more clear it was that I was completely on the side of truth and following Jesus. We would keep having these discussions and debates and so very, very few rabbis, despite their sincerity and all their study, have even opened up an honest question before God as to who he is. In their mind, it's blasphemous, it's sacrilegious to read the New Testament as sacrilegious, so they stay away from it entirely. They don't know who he really is. They know some of the bad stories we preserve in our own traditions, you know, hanging on a crucifix in a Catholic church. The horror stories of the inquisitions and the crusades and the terrible things that so-called Christians did to Jewish people through the years. What really happened was he was laying down his life for us. He was taking the place of the animal sacrifices. In other words, he was doing this as Yeshua, the promised Messiah, in keeping with scripture and our tradition. So he was not some Gentile God hanging on a cross from another religion. He was our Messiah dying as the righteous one, taking our sins on his shoulders and then rising from the dead so that we could have a great relationship with God. My dad, he actually would come and hear me preach. You know, he, he wanted me to go back to Judaism, but then he, he saw how radically my life was changed and, and began to consider, could it be that Jesus is the Messiah? I remember he was even reading the New Testament, so his heart was wide open because he saw how Jesus had changed my life, and he knew that this was something only God could have done. You're listening to part two of a special Hanukkah episode of The Chosen People, which is produced and sponsored by Chosen People Ministries. Thank you so much for joining us today. And if you'd like to learn more about this weekly program, you'll find us online at chosenpeople.com radio. We've got a variety of resources available, and we even have a free gift for you just for reaching out. That's right, Bobby. And this is a great time of year. And before I tell our dear friends about this free offer, I'd like to say thank you to everyone for supporting this radio program in this ministry this past year. We could not stand with Israel and the Jewish people. We could not be presenting Messiah Jesus to our Jewish people day in and day out without your consistent, faithful prayers and gifts. So thank you so much for making the last few years a season of great accomplishment and encouragement. Well, Bobby, you mentioned a free gift for connecting with us, and that's what this time of year is all about. Whether it's Hanukkah or Christmas, we can't help but be influenced by the gifts we give and receive. But it's also a season to reflect on God's gift to us. And that's why we like to give you a special holiday booklet called Christmas Through Jewish Eyes. We will send it to you today when you request it at chosenpeople.com slash radio. Or request it when you call us at 888-293-7482. That's 888-2-YESHUA, the Hebrew name for Jesus. And that's all the time we have for today. 
So let me be the first to wish you and your family a very warm and wonderful holiday season. And now let's close with the ironic benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and be gracious to you. May the face of the Lord shine upon you and give you peace. B'Shem Shel Yeshua HaMashiach, Sar Shalom, in the name of Jesus the Messiah, the Prince of Peace.